Hey everyone, this is Drew. Before we start this episode, um, I have some sad news to share. Uh, unfortunately, my dad passed away uh, a little while after we recorded this episode. Um, and when you listen, you'll hear that I mention he's the one who introduced me to the world of Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit and J.R.R. Tolkien and all of that. Um, I don't know that I mentioned mentioned in the episode itself, but my dad and I had a tradition of watching all three movies, all three Lord of the Rings films, extended versions in a marathon at, uh, every New Year's. Um, so we won't be doing that this year, but I'll be watching it and uh, thinking of him, and I just wanted to dedicate this episode to my dad. I miss you, Dad, and um, and I know you're watching over me. I'm Drew. I'm Nick. And I'm Adam. And you're listening to the Archive, our ever-growing library of everything, one hour at a time. Welcome back, everybody, to the Archive. In its final days of existence. <laughs> there it is. You can hear it. Yeah. It's, I'm, it's... I'm dying. <laughs> Quiet down. Somebody make more episodes. Quiet down, our guys. Um, we are actually, we do find ourselves in the Prefatorium once again. And in the Prefatorium, we like to talk about show matters. And as I mentioned, the show matter is the death. Of show matters. Oh, can I speak now? Of course not, the archive. Have, have I been introduced? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't believe there are any other show matters. And so I will at this time turn things over to the prefatorial poobah, Mr. Adam Juridich Sr. What's up? Um... I will ask the question I ask every week. Hey, enter name here. Do you have any comments? I can answer for one aspect of our comment receptacle. No. Uh, I have a comment Damn. from Instagram. And that, by the way, I like how Drew passes it over to Adam so that Adam can pass it back over to Drew. <laughs> and then to and you. And then finally I get a chance to speak, yeah. I, can I speak? You didn't introduce me. I've listened to the show before, and I, I know you like to introduce people. So. You were introduced in the intro music. Uh, oh, okay, good. You introduced yourself. Oh. Um, all right, we have a comment on Instagram uh, from Edith Kilgore 3 and she said... That's a hungry baby. 
Thumbs up, heart, smiley face, smiley face. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> Wait a minute. I, I'm glad. I actually, I missed this. We were This came in last week, um, and I didn't catch it when we were doing the last record. Uh, but when I looked today, I saw this. And, um, and I, Adam hasn't seen this yet, but I posted this video uh, of a cat eating cat food with a microphone in the cat food and uh that's right that's right yeah i left the caption uh footage of adam recording the podcast i'm gonna gonna turn this around so adam can see it right now and i'm gonna play a little bit of the audio so you can hear this cat chowing down it's great this is good stuff I mean, <laughs> and if you and if you want to see this video, folks, <laughs> go to our Instagram page. Yeah, uh, yeah. Please follow us, like and subscribe on Instagram. Don't be like Adam; you're gonna miss out on these sweet cat vids. My favorite part is that there is a tiny microphone in that with that cat. Yeah, uh, which is does, it just does pose the question, dude? Is that what? Yeah, it's, oh, it's super gross, but. Um, do all cats make that noise when they eat? We don't realize it. Not my cat. Uh, yeah, maybe you don't realize it. No, yeah, you, you can have a better it. microphone in the food. Right up to him. No, you gotta you gotta get a really gotta good quality. It. No, I put uh, food shore. in my no, I put food in my ear and he eats it out of that. <laughs> okay. It could explain the hearing problem, but you know. Yeah, and just to note, doesn't know when to stop. Just keeps on, just keeps on eating. <laughs> just a note on uh, that commenter is the. Uh, mother of none other than Ash, uh, yeah. regular commenter, and my wife. So I'm a, a little... whole lineage of commenters. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I'm. I, I don't want to to speak out of turn here, but I'm a little Please confused do. because I am almost positive that King Creeper did leave a comment <laughs> okay. because last night he literally went to go make the comment. Uh-huh. So and did he I'm report not... back on his success or no? I, I guess I suppose definitely he did not. <laughs> okay. Let me, I'll double check. So, There's nothing. All right. Yeah. Let me look at uh, a different mailbox. Well, while you're looking for that, I did just notice we had this one other comment from a Mr. Adam Juratich. Oh, <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> thank you adam for listening comet streak one oh my god what what, what about theme song it's just that like a techno beat in the background oh man i'm willing to do this podcast for a hundred more episodes we can do that every episode. If Adam's comment streak continues. Yeah. Um, you, just, uh, you guys already owe me another 100 episodes anyway. So. Yeah, well, I'll up it to two. Um, there, was, there, there was a secret wager, folks, in the background that I, I, I won, and, and the deal was 100 episodes more if, yeah. if I won it, and I, and I did. We never, said when we, we never said when we would do those episodes. That definitely is true. Um, I didn't see any comments from King Creeper, any new okay. ones. So I think maybe he made a bold claim to you and then perhaps got distracted. 
it's entirely possible. Maybe he watched a Roblox React video on YouTube or something. And, <laughs> uh, Roblox React to old people listening to Blink-182. Excellent. Uh, <laughs> okay, with that said, um, I need to take a dangerous journey mm. into the heart of a dark, terrible place. Good luck. Who will who will join me? Well, we're back here in the archive proper. It's my favorite place to be. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, and today we're talking. Cynical laugh. (laughs) (laughs) Hashtag in the archive. That's right. Today we are talking about uh, the Lord of the Rings, and this is um, this is a topic I didn't know if I would ever actually do on the archive. so you this is an unexpected journey you're taking right now? Uh, I can't give you full credit on that because, of course, <laughs> that's from... Isn't that from The Hobbit? It is from The Hobbit. Yeah. but Different episode. Half marks. Halfling marks on that one. Excellent. Um, I didn't know that I would do it uh, just because the only other person, the only other archivist I could see having any interest in this topic is Adam. And so sometimes when, me. You, when you just have a, a out of the four of us, just two of us interested, you sort of like, well, do I should I bring this one up? But look, the archive is ending. We got to do our bucket list episodes. This is mine, Lord of the Rings. And I'll just let you guys know the goalposts for this, the sort of it's not limited to the Lord of the Rings. That'll just be our, you know, anchor point. But I'm, you know, Hobbit, the Hobbit discussions are absolutely within bounds what i only get half half, half points though <laughs> Cause, cause that was you, before he yeah that was before up. i set the parameters yeah, all right that, that's fair that's fair <laughs> uh, i really like that um silmarillion which i have not read the entire thing um is up for grabs J.R.R. tolkien himself of course is a top of the conversation and movies books cartoons video games anything middle earth related anything yeah anything middle earth related is up for grabs Uh, hopefully nick has seen (laughs) one of these open it up for me if somebody it's not likely that I'm going to have seen all the tiny if, little. If somebody I've, I've told seen the you... Mandalorian. You said we could talk about that. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. <laughs> okay, that's fair game. If, if and if somebody has ever talked to you about Lord of the Rings, Nick, that's 
and including myself. That's that's okay. I think I've seen the porn parody. Can I talk about that? That's Lord a, of the Cochrane's, that's fine. Of course, if you've that... if you've seen Flight of the Concords, that's fair game. Oh, I can talk about that because they've uh, one of them has been in those movies, and they did a parody episode. And if you've ever, and I'm not talking to anyone specifically here in the archive. But if you've ever smoked weed, um, I feel like that's a long that, and I'm not looking at anyone either. <laughs> that means you're qualified to talk about Lord of the Rings. That's right. That's interesting. Okay. Because it's you know long bottom leaf. Uh, it's oh, that's what that is. Finest okay. weed and old Tovey. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, let me let me start. Let me now that you know the parameters and we all have a lot to talk about. I'll go first. Um, <laughs> uh, Lord of the Rings. Uh, first time I read it. Well, let me say, I actually read The Hobbit first. So when I was a kid, my dad plopped a copy of The Hobbit in front of me and said, here you go. You should read this. You'll like it. I don't actually remember his actual words or anything like that, but he probably said something like that. I read it and I was like, wow, this is really cool. And, and I remember finishing it and talking to him about it. And I was like, oh, I, I loved it. I think Bilbo is like the coolest guy. And um, he said, if you think. He's like, shut up. You are not. <laughs> You're grounded. You think, that... <laughs> you think that's great. But he's, yeah, he said, if you think that's great, you're going to love lord of the rings so then he had me read that and that was what age were you for for this period i think i was probably 11 or 12 when i read it uh for the first time and it was definitely go ahead it was is that um that that's probably the right age maybe a little old for hobbit from what i know and then lord of the rings is a little bit more advanced, right? Yeah, yeah. And I wouldn't even say... I think advanced is the correct word because I think, like, reading comprehension-wise, you could make an argument The Hobbit is more of a children's book, maybe not by our current standards, you know? Mm -hmm. It's not like a board book or something like that, but it is definitely more... The language and the cadence of, of the prose is definitely more... Like, simplistic? Yeah. And then... Lord of the Rings is a pretty big leap from there. It's very dense. Um, I think a younger kid would probably have trouble keeping... Uh, it would have trouble keeping their attention span. You know what I mean? Because it's yeah. it just goes and goes and goes. That's kind of... So, it, not to like, hijack what you were saying, but Aiden was just huge in Lord of the Rings. I mean, mm-hmm. just the, the movies. I mean, mm-hmm. just absolutely went nuts over them. Um and so for Christmas, uh, I gave him uh, the box set of Lord of the Rings, and the book. he, yeah, yeah, and he cracked it open and got like <laughs> twenty pages into the book, and he's like, "Man, <laughs> I mean, it's especially Fellowship of the Ring, which I think this is kind of true of the movies as well. I think the that first book and that first movie are the biggest. Like, it takes you a while to get into that. Like, I would say you." it's like three quarters of the way through the book before you feel like you're really like invested. And that's a big, a big ask, I think of a reader. Um, 
They didn't have Tom Bombadil in there at all. So I mean, <laughs> in the movie, right? Right. I think, and I think the, especially if you were to go as Aiden did from the movies to the books, you would probably be expecting like shit to kick off pretty quickly. And you spend yep. a lot in the book. Like, <laughs> the it takes them forever, yeah, just to get out of the Shire. Like half of the book is, they're not even on the quest yet, pretty much. Um, but I, for whatever reason, I I did, you know, probably because I had not seen the movie. There was no movie yet. Um, at least not, well, at least not a Peter Jackson directed film. Okay. Um. I was able to, I, I really got into it and really enjoyed it. And, um, and it was, uh, I, you know, reread it, I think once or twice since then. And, uh, it's, it is definitely one of my favorite pieces of literature and film, um, of all time. Uh, I won't, and I don't mean to diminish Nick here, but I'll ask Adam, what's your relationship <laughs> to Lord of the Rings? And maybe the broader Tolkien uh, uh, sure. world. Um, so uh, I was introduced to the world uh, via the old uh, animated mm. movie. The, uh, the Ralph Bakshi film? Yes, yes. Um, and then probably right around the same time, the also animated Hobbit movie. Yeah, the Rankin-Bass. Uh, yeah, the Rankin-Bass one, exactly. Uh, so that was a one-two punch of like, I love this. This is great. Um, and his- the Lord of the Rings thing, I think it was freaky AF. Oh my gosh, it was like, it was so wonderfully bizarre. It's a With like, the rotoscoping crazy, and everything. Yeah. Oh my gosh, it was so weird. I thought, um, can I interject for a moment yeah, to please. say that, you know, like after reading the books, I found out about that. You know, the, the actually in the middle of reading books, I learned that there was this movie by Ralph Bakshi. I'm, this is occurring to me right now, this memory. And I started watching it, but I would only watch up to the point that I had read in the book. Oh, nice. So then I'd turn it off, go back and read some more, and then watch like five more minutes of it later. <laughs> <laughs> and I just remember being like, this is so weird. Like, it looks crazy. The, the the voice acting is is weird and like no one everyone looks ugly and <laughs> um, yeah and then it it famously doesn't actually it's not the whole trilogy um, right I'm curious Adam if you've seen the Rankin Bass Return of the King Return of the King I have I was gonna bring that up as well yeah. then I remember so I'd watch. I'd watch that movie, and then I would watch the the Hobbit one. And it was always on TV uh-huh. every once in a while. And time I was on, I'd be like, "Oh yes, here we go." And then at one point, so here's how this kind of played out. So one point, I was probably watching TV and flipping through the channels, and I was like, "Oh, Lord of the Rings is on," yeah. or or and or Hobbit, and I watched it. Yeah. Right. And then fast forward like a year or so later, and uh, the. So I'll give a little spoiler to make it make sense contextually. It actually was Return of the King, and I didn't realize it. Okay. So then I'm watch I'm watching as the years roll by, Lord of the Rings, Hobbit, Lord of the Rings, Hobbit. I'm like, I feel like I saw something else. Yeah. There was like more to this movie. Like, what am I? Like, did I just make this up? Yeah. Like, what am I? What am I going? Like, what is going on here? And it wasn't until I was in my late teens that I finally kind of put two and two together, and I was like, there's a third movie. Right. 
a third animated movie, I should specify. Yeah. Um, and then I finally, I think I rented it from the library and watched it, and I was like, that's where those parts were from. Like, man, that tripped me out. Yeah. I, you know, I, I thought for a long time that that Ralph Bakshi uh, adaptation was not well regarded and that I was sort of alone in, in liking it, you know. And I've come, I think I've come to learn recently that it a- is actually pretty well regarded by people. <coughs> oh, yeah. See, I'm, I'm actually familiar with the Ralph Bakshi one, um, I, although I didn't see it when I was a kid. But, um, but I... I guess I've heard of the Rankin Bass one, but I am just skimming through the YouTube uh, video of it right now, and mm-hmm. it's really nice looking. Of uh, the Return of the King or the Hobbit? Return of the King. Yeah, that one's. It's so weird because I I remember I think my dad told me what before I wa- started watching the Ralph Bakshi one. I think he told me like this, you know, ends basically at the end of the Two Towers. Um, it ends with the Battle of Helm's Deep. And then he told me about, you know, the Return of the King movie by Rankin Bass. And I like I think in my mind assumed that, oh, well, it'll just look like the Lord of the Rings one. Like, you know, they'll they'll make it so that they look the same. And so when I started watching (coughs) Return of the King, I was like, why does everyone look crazy all of a sudden? You know, they already looked crazy in Lord of the Rings, but now it's a different kind of crazy um, so you had not seen the Hobbit one then? I had, but I at that point didn't really understand. Make the connection between the two, okay? Or, or yeah. like that Rankin Bass, you know, had a house style, you know, so yeah. that they would they would animate it the way they animate things. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so so you know, for a few years there, I was like, I love these books. I'm just rewatching this weirdo Ralph Bakshi movie. And, and then I can remember, um, in about, I think it was like 1999, I was 1999, I was, uh, at my brother's house. Um, and we were in his basement and I used to go over there and just hang out, uh, and like surf the internet and stuff, uh, while he would do work. And I was, uh, surfing the internet and I guess I just randomly searched lord of the rings because this is sort of the you know still pretty early on in the internet days so they kind of had to search and find for stuff you ask somebody in a aol chat room yeah do you like lord of the rings (laughs) asl hobbits (laughs) but what i found was a basically I, it must have been a, a production website, you know, like basically either New Line or uh, Weta, maybe itself. I can't even remember what the the actual website was. Maybe it was even the One Ring .net, which went on to be the main the main sort of fan website for the movies. But um, I saw it was like a, a video of interviewing Elijah Wood talking about the, how they were currently filming the Hobbit. Um, so actually it's probably, actually, you know, it's probably in 2000, not 99. Um, uh, the Hobbit. Oh, I'm sorry. Fellowship of the ring. Uh, that's right. True. Gosh. Oh no. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm not a fan. Um, and it was, I was blown away. I was one. I was, I was super excited because 
I can remember remember that Elijah Wood was like in his Frodo outfit and talking about filming the movies and they were intercutting it with some of the unfinished effects <coughs> from the movie. So they showed like a model of the cave troll that shows up in Fellowship of the Ring. <laughs> <They're> the <cave. laughs> and um and also a few uh like shots of armies, you know, marching. And it was all very still like rough animation. But I was just like super excited. And I remember that that night, like when I got home, I was like, Dad, they're making a, a live action movie of Fellowship of the Ring, you know. And, and from that point on, I was like, He's like shut up. <laughs> you grounded. <laughs> you grounded. I'm 18. So you, great news. You had no skepticism about. Elijah Wood or anything, the guy no, from The no. Good Son. No, I actually, I, guy from North. I was, <laughs> I don't even know why, but I was a big fan of Elijah Wood. Like, okay, I was like, Back oh, that's a, two, man. I was like, that is a great casting choice in my mind. Um, and I, you know, if you saw him like on set in costume and stuff, like, yeah, it, it captures it really well. So those movies, um. I, I, to this day, love those movies, and and it's not just those movies that the animated ones. Talking about now, or no, the, the live action. Sorry, live so action, yeah, okay. I, that that sort of finding that website kicked off this like almost obsession of mine with the the movies themselves, especially the production of them, um, and you know, uh, goes without saying that I was. I absolutely adored all three of the the movies and um, my dad and I, you know, went and saw each one as they came out. I saw a fellowship of the ring, I think nine times in the theater. Um, wow. That's the, how many were in the fellowship? Yes. <laughs> you saw it once for every person. Once for every person. And I would say, this is my peregrine Took viewing. And I'll only look at his character. <laughs> Um, but to me what's so fascinating about those movies is actually that and i think i i probably talked about this way back in the sixth episode of the archive where we talked about the topic was special features and um the lord of the rings extended edition dvds are like if you are into film making at all it is worth your while to watch all of the behind the scenes documentaries for lord of the rings and on those extended edition discs each movie has i want to say three hours of behind the scenes of like in-depth documentary level behind the scenes features um and they as a person that isn't a huge Lord of the Rings fan, um, I think it's safe to say that that trilogy is, excuse me, uh, like the height of DVD bonuses. Yes, yeah. You know, like that's not even a thing anymore. Yeah. And uh, well, first of all, they they did the extended versions, right. and that was a fad for a while and most of them are terrible other movies you know but everybody who loves lord of the rings is like like you can only watch it with the extended version it's they are much better films i mean the the original the the, the theatrical cuts were good but then you see the extended you're like oh 
Okay. Yeah. Nope. That's just way better. Yeah, you got like forty percent more walking in those. I heard. Ah, <laughs> 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 nice. Good zing. Good zing. But yeah, they I, they are also full of bonuses and yeah. all sorts of like they the, because the production on it was so insane and they were smart enough to like film that and back it up the whole you know document the whole well what procedure of filmmaking yeah. What's crazy to me is they did that, and they did that without any knowledge of what the success of the movies would be, because they filmed everything. Right, they had the wherewithal to be like, yeah, eh, let's film this And stuff. I think it just is down to Peter Jackson, who he himself loves, you know, obviously loves filmmaking, but also loves, as a kid, he was voracious in trying to find anything about the making of the movies he liked. So I think he wanted to create something for these movies that, that really gave you an in-depth look. And each of the um, each of the movies from that original trilogy, the features step you through from script writing to pre-production, production, and post-production to release. Like each of them has a good, you know, basically a three-hour documentary documentary that follows that track. And then on top of that, there are specific little featurettes of like. The Fellowship of the Ring has one called A Day in the Life of a Hobbit, and it just tracks Elijah Wood and the other actors who play hobbits, sort of what their day, one day on set is like for them. Um, so each of them has, I think, The Two Towers does a whole documentary about the night shoots that they did for the Helm's Deep battle. And so it's like, that you can, I mean, literally you can spend hours and hours just watching those special features and i have over and over like I, and then on top of that a few years later they released um a second behind the scenes documentary by costa boats who is uh i think he's south african maybe filmmaker documentarian but these were these don't have any like um there's like no uh, nothing, no, no, like framing around it. It's just, it's just footage of on set. So he was, he and he and an assistant were allowed to be on set at all times, and they're just filming uh, different aspects of it. And so there's one of one ninety minute feature documentary for each of the three films that's just on set footage, uh, and that's really fascinating too. Um, Have you heard the uh, most recent news about these films? Like the last week or so? Uh, are you talking about the release of the 4K editions? Yeah, for the for the 20 year anniversary of uh, Fellowship, they're putting out uh, 4K editions of the, the original trilogy. Uh, now it wait, do you already have it? I have it. Oh, geez, you have it. I'm holding it. I didn't know it was already out yet. I thought well, they were. I thought well, they were here's the here's the it. deal. So they did this edition, which just came out. I'm holding. Uh, the 4K Ultra HD edition of The Lord of the Rings. This has both the extended and theatrical releases on it. And it came out um, a couple weeks ago, I think. And then in April of next year, they're releasing a, like, you know, ultra deluxe version where it will have... The documentary about the documentary of Lord of the Rings. I mean, that's what I have to assume. Like, it's. I think it'll have all the special features from the original extended editions because this only has a few. Um, 
and then it's supposed to have new special features as well. And so I wasn't going to buy this um, this version of it, and mm-hmm. um, and then not to you know be too much of a downer on this episode but my dad went into the hospital and sort of as a form of therapy i was like i'm gonna buy this because so i can watch it and sort of think about him while he's you know in there um and because i didn't i was like i'm just buying this again in april i should not buy this edition (laughs) but i also kept seeing screenshots online of how beautiful it looks and the other the with um the original blu-ray release of fellowship of the ring for some reason they they did this color grading on it that tinted it green and so yeah so i was going to mention that so they he he filmed fellowship on film and then did two towers and return of the king digitally so the one thing he did go he went back and color corrected fellowship to match the other which it was it was the color was fine on the dvds it wasn't until the Mm -hmm. blu-ray that that green tint happened apparently but even besides the green tint, yeah. just the quality is different. Yeah. You look at the first one, you look at the second two, it's just it, they're not quite the same thing. So you went back and digitally yeah. basically enhanced yeah, I, the first one to match the next am two. Am I wrong in remembering that, like, you know, when, when you saw it in theaters, it looked great. And then I don't know if it was the Blu-ray or what, but there were there was like a adverse reaction when people saw it where the special effects, the CG and stuff just looked uh, like it was on a, a different layer or something. Well, that that to me was more of the Hobbit. Um, oh, we can talk about that later. I, I feel like the <laughs> we don't have to talk about that. And I could be wrong, but I feel like the 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 Lord of the Rings films from theatrical release to home release, you know, they certainly aren't as high quality, but never felt like it held up really well because so many of these special effects were practical and so practical effects man telling you there wasn't the the digital effects there are some definitely some some shakiness there but nowhere near the challenges that i think the hobbit faces in going from screen to home where i think some of the some of the stuff you're saying nick is evident Um, it 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 wasn't I, I'm sorry if I said it like this, but it, it wasn't like the first release of it. I just remember there was like something mm-hmm. later, and I might be thinking of Hobbit, but yeah. uh, where it was just like when they added yeah. more clarity to it that they didn't enhance it to blend them or that right. color correction that that would help. There was definitely I definitely heard an outcry about the Blu-ray. I thought the Blu-ray looked fine. I didn't notice the green tint until it was pointed out, and now and then I couldn't Same. Not notice it. Um, and it was really nice to see that corrected in this new edition Um, uh, but um, where where was I what was I going to say you're talking about why you bought the new one oh yeah so I bought the new one just just as a form of therapy and knowing full well that in April I'll also be buying the what like a hundred and whatever dollar version that's coming out um the you know nick you talked about like the height of dvd extras i think you're absolutely right there and even the hobbit uh blu-rays that came out after the hobbit movies even they couldn't replicate the quality of extra features that lord of the rings did like 
even and the movies themselves too yeah well yeah <laughs> sure and they they even boasted each each of those discs has i think nine hours of special features oh god but but instead of um a very like clearly demarcated sort of this section is about script writing this is about pre actually I forgot there's also before the script writing section, there's just a section on Tolkien and like, like specific to that movie. So each of them has a little Tolkien J.R.R. Tolkien documentary at the front. So instead of having that kind of process or framework around the special features, the Hobbit ones is just like a literally like a nine hour on it, or maybe it's six hours unending, like stream of consciousness, essentially like, start of film we're making the movie and now we'll cut to the people who did the practical effects in this part and now we'll cut to the people who are doing the special effects in this part now back to the set where we're filming this part of the movie and so like it doesn't have the same um i feel like it's not nearly as watchable as the uh the original features and yeah i oh go ahead i was just gonna say i was noting how ridiculous it is that i'm that i'm now insulting the special features for the hobbit <laughs> no, up fine. against the uh, lord it, of the, the rings ones the, I don't, so nick you didn't see any of the hobbit movies no i did i saw the first one in theaters um didn't like it and and you know i watch any uh fantasy or sci-fi movie that comes out these You're days you know first in line yeah yeah, um, but I just didn't really like the first Hobbit movie. I know everybody did, and this isn't a hot take. But um, and then I ended up renting the third one and oh, wow, falling asleep halfway through it, and never went back to any. Can other I one. ask the the thought process there of of yeah. jumping to the third one? Oh no, it was just um, you know. I, I wasn't that into the second one, and then I went to a red box when the third one had come out. Did and... you see the second one? No, I never did. Um, but how? So... <laughs> so how are you not that into it? But you are into the third one enough no, to rent it. I no, that's what I'm saying. I wasn't into it to rent it. I was there at a red box, and it had and just come out. They, they I, didn't have the second one. They, they didn't have uh, Fast and the Furious Six, so. <laughs> So um, I guess there there was just no scenario back when the second one was at Redbox where you were at a Redbox and you were like, well, yeah, they like, had Fast okay. and the Furious 5 then, so <laughs> I got that. So for those not in the in, in the know, The Hobbit is kind of what we kind of alluded to earlier, the shortest yeah, right, of all these right. books and the most simplistic. And I heard they're making Hobbit You know, I loved, loved, loved Lord of the Rings movies, yeah. said, heard they're making Hobbit movies awesome and uh, and you hear who's directing uh, oh, sh- it right freaking um Guillermo del Toro uh, say, yeah Guillermo del Toro and I was like that's gonna be great that's gonna be a cool kind of take on I this was thing. very um, optimistic I was like th- I, I was I was trying you know obviously I was like oh I wish Peter Jackson was doing it but you know same. I'm excited yeah. to see his take on this Guillermo del Toro's take on the Hobbit 100% and then I heard they're split into two films, and I was like, "That seems weird." But but I could but okay, I could see it, right? I, guess, I was like, "Oh, it'll 
probably yeah. end at this point in the book and then you can spend the rest of the book with this stuff. Exactly. You could exactly. sort of like exactly what I was thinking see it too. working. Yeah. And then as they're going through production, they're like, you know what? We're going to split into a third film. And I called it right there. I was like, this is not going yeah. to work. It's like, there's no way. There's not enough material. Yeah. And I heard, oh, we're adding stuff in. And I'm like, what? Uh, what? I was. What could you possibly be adding in that's going to enhance this story to make a th- to make it worth three full? Well, movies? by that point, Peter Jackson was had been brought, brought back on, yeah. and I was I was cautiously optimistic. I was like, well, there is lots of lore in the appendices of Lord of the Rings to pull from. Silmarillion. The Silmarillion. Yeah, there's like you could assemble something based on events you know are happening at the same time as The Hobbit. Um, how did Del Toro get removed from that? I, it's, I, I had just... forgotten that he was even on it, but I do remember that. It's a it's it's so basically the the production of The Hobbit was plagued by a lot of issues. Um, so when they first started production. You know, it was announced that Guillermo, Guillermo del Toro was attached, and the plan was for him to, you know, be, live in New Zealand for, I want to say, like, I think they were going to do, like, two years of, of filming for two, mm-hmm. you know, basically that meant a, probably a year of filming for the two films and then post-production and all that stuff, right? Exactly. As I heard the same thing. So, so at some point during production, there's a big union strike in New Zealand, the, the the New Zealand film union uh, basically they're like three movies <laughs> well they they were just like we want to get paid there there was a pay dispute right so mm-hmm. production ha- halted for a sign- significant amount of time long enough that I think Guillermo del Toro ended up um, being in New Zealand and... yeah much longer than he intended and he and he looked at once filming could resume he looked at things and he was like if I do this, I'm on it for another two years and I was supposed to be done now. And there's other, yeah, other movies, yep. other projects I really want to do. I got to so, make my movie about a woman fucking a fish. Yes. And so thank he, God he did. <laughs> so he stepped away <laughs> at that point. And, and on top of that, um, new line cinema folded throughout, through all this. And they, they were the original studio that, you know, did Lord of the Rings. And so then there was a question of, well, who's, going to pick up the rights to the Lord of the Rings, what studio is going to um, distribute it or what have you. So that there was that whole thing. And eventually Warner Brothers was you know the one who picked it up. Um, so all that just meant lots of delays and they got started much later than they intended. And Peter Jackson was saying for a long time, he's like, I'm not going to direct these movies. You know, I did Lord of the Rings. That was a really challenging, you know, but rewarding experience, but I don't want to go through it again. But then I think they just, well, it, in the special features of The Hobbit, they talk about this, and, and I think it just turned out where Peter Jackson's like, I he just felt like he had to do it. I think he felt obligated at that point because the studio needed a movie to come out soon. I think it was too daunting to find a new filmmaker, get them up to speed, because Peter Jackson, while he wasn't directing it, he was still involved in writing it. He was producing it. <clears throat> and so when Peter Jackson comes on to the Hobbit, they com- they throw out everything that Del Toro had done up to that point. 
Um, because, and I think this is fair, absolutely fair game to him. Peter Jackson's like, I can't make someone else's movie. I have to make my movie. Yeah. You know, I, if, if I were to take the things that Guillermo had done up to this point, I wouldn't be making something that is mine and it wouldn't come, th- you know, it wouldn't be good basically. Honestly, look at Justice League for a very yeah. example of why you should not yeah, do that. Yeah. Or, like, it's very hard to switch directors in mid, mid-project and have it be cohesive. Right. It's, just, it's just very strange. I was also thinking of AI where uh, mm-hmm. it just has this weird tonal feel that yeah. is not quite Spielberg and not quite Kubrick. And... Yeah, good, good, good. Good job, Nick. So... I did it. <laughs> <laughs> So he, he, you know, takes it on and they, they have like no time to make these movies. And that's, I think that is a big factor of why those movies are not near anywhere near as good as the original trilogy and why they lean heavily on digital effects because there was not a time to refine the practical effects because they spent a year of pre-production for Lord of the Rings. Um, and maybe even longer than that. Um, but the other thing we need to talk about, I think, important with the Hobbit movies is the high frame rate, the 48 yeah, the HDR. Um, yeah. frame, per, uh, frame per second, which is double the normal yeah. amount. And he said, in order to see these movies, the way to see it correctly is to see it in 48 uh, FPS, yeah. which is very jarring. Is. Um, it's like watching British soap operas. Exactly. Um, but I was a purist, and I said, hey, this way you're supposed to watch yeah. these movies? That's why I'm going to watch it. That's and why it I was 3D. To see him. HDR 3D. And it was 3D. Yeah. 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 So. Um, and so when it's that high depth and detail, every yes. little crease and creak and yeah. seam and everything is real obvious. It's like, oh, it's yeah. just, it's just. This is what I was thinking I about when I was talking about the DVD ah. releases or whatever. Um, I had forgotten about. But the weird thing about the 48 frames per second thing is like um it's it's something about the way it captures it that it's not the actual speed that it's going Mm -hmm. you know like games today are all 60 frames per second or you know um but it's something about the actual filming of it that the light captures it differently i don't know but i think games also get away with it a little more because there's sort of a separation there in terms of you're used to games being oh, being surreal, yeah, or, and yeah. also really high quality and really crisp and and movies. Uh, I, I feel like your tra- your eye is trained to a different expect has a different expectation, and also maybe, seeing yeah. a, a person, you're you're getting so much more visual information per frame, you know, or you know, as you're watching that it just feels unnatural. I think. Yeah, I, I think honestly. If I'm going to give him a story of credit, it was it was too soon. Like it was it was too it was not the right project to be like here's a brand new technology mm-hmm. with 3D mm-hmm. that's going to make you. It, it, it's I really do believe at some point things will maybe shift to 48. Uh, I, after Hobbit, I'm not sure anymore, but so that's where yeah. I thought things were definitely going to be going. But it, it just it was. I think there was it was they bit off way more than they could chew because everything we were saying they had all this all this rush stuff they had no time and by the way we're gonna do this brand new technology that we it's like like oh was no it, like this is just not was it forty eight or was it sixty forty eight okay because frame or film is twenty four 
Right, but digital is done on 30. Is it? Yeah. Oh, no, no, it, it was 48. I, I know this for okay. certain. Um, the, uh, the other thing about <laughs> another sort of issue with the Hobbit movies, and he, this is what this is actually something that's fascinating about the behind the scenes on those discs, is there's a point where Peter Jackson in the third film is saying that he, he they had not finished writing it, they were still that's filming right. it. And he openly admits, like, in, in this documentary, like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm stressed out. The You know, I'm, I'm, I don't know how to fix this. We, sh- you know, like, basically, like, oh, he's admitting that this is a catastrophe. Now, yeah, but in most documentaries, that would be them, you know, panicking and then yeah. everything gets solved. And, well, you, and you see how they're being humble. <laughs> Yeah. Well, it didn't well, turn out that way. I'll say that they do follow that scene with a, a scene of him, and then we figured it out. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> but they no. didn't. Really. Oh God! I hope when they you know re-release the Hobbit again after this one that's coming out in April, then there's another <laughs> clip of him going, "Oh, we didn't." Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That third movie was just it was, it was trash. absolutely it was, it was awful. I, I can't even. So I can watch, I can actually watch the first one of the Hobbit movies and enjoy it. There's a lot of stuff in there that I really like. The second one, I think the stuff with Bilbo and Smaug is wonderful. Like the yeah, but that's where the, that's where the first movie should have ended. Yes, yeah, exactly. It ended with yeah, like it was such a natural progression right. of the storyline, and then Smaug gets taken out. Yeah. End of movie. Boom. Like, what a great right. climax. Yeah, because the end of the first movie is kind of like Smog's flying towards uh, Lake, Lake Town. Well, that's uh, the end of the like, second yeah. movie. I'm sorry. Yeah. That, yeah, that, that, that's what I meant. That's what I meant. Yeah. Yeah. But, oh, but, yeah, I, but so I, mean, I thought you were saying, and I agree with this, if it had been two movies, you end the first movie with Smog attacking yes, Lake Town yes, and, yes. and being killed. And then the second movie... And then the five, five armies, armies. is, yeah. I mean, it writes itself. Um, but anyway. It works really well in that way. In that, that second way. movie, I, I can watch it and enjoy that, you know, stuff with Smaug at the, towards the end. The third movie, I can't find anything redeeming to watch. Like, it just becomes an absolute mess to the point of, like, being offensive at times in the things that, the choices they made. It is incredibly yeah. dumb. The moments. only thing I remember so about I... it was that it reminded me of uh, the end of the Dragon's Lair video game. Like, I know there was like a really long scene of running around in gold and a dragon <laughs> and, and hiding. Am I making this up? You're talking about the second movie. No, no, no. Oh, that's the second movie. Maybe I saw that. I don't know. I'm going to yeah, shut that, up. That's where Bilbo <laughs> is in the – he's with the dragon in his dragon's lair, as he would. Okay. You will. Yeah, piles and piles of gold and treasure, and he's hiding from Smaug, but trying to fool him into, you know, getting out of there, basically. No, you could be thinking about actually when, uh, what's that, I was having the, oh, God, the gold yeah. madness. Oh, dragon, God, yeah, dragon's fever or whatever. <laughs> what is it fever, called? God, yeah, gold sickness, dragon sickness? I don't know. Gold sickness. Uh, Absolutely he's stupid. sitting there having this elaborate, long... Yeah drawn out like 
fever hallucination of all this gold and like a thing melting and him sinking to the floor and I'm just like, what is going yeah. on? Like, what? This is so yeah. boring. This is so boring. It, what frustrated me most about so to me the tri- that Hobbit trilogy, the best thing about it is the is the dwarves and Bilbo and Gandalf, right? Those mm. characters I really loved. And in the third film, the the dwarves are barely in that movie. And that that really mm. angered me cuz to me like the heart of those movies should be the dwarves and their sort of journey in the same way that the heart of um the Lord of the Rings is the hobbits and their journey, right? And so um the fact that they're essentially abandoned by the film the third one and we have to watch this stupid battle for most of it and love legolas yeah the thing oh and and the shoehorning of like basically almost to lucas-esque levels of like hey here's here's this you remember remember legolas guys hey legolas is here now and you're like what why what why is he here it's just oh god which i i think you could have achieved the same things without Legolas, and I actually liked the addition of Tariel, that's the um, Kate from Lost plays Tariel, uh, the elf, who is a love interest for... A new character, made up for the movie. Yeah, made up for the movie, but good, but I liked her. I think she was a good addition, um, and you could have told the same story that you tell with Legolas with her. And the other stupid thing about Legolas's inclusion is you have this opportunity to essentially set up his disdain for dwarves like to feed into lord of the rings and you'd be like oh this is why he hates dwarves right because in the third hobbit movie his the the woman he loves is killed and you're like oh this he'll blame he'll think this is she died because of the dwarves right but instead he he has the same arc that he has in lord of the rings where he hates Mm. the dwarves initially and then he comes to respect them and be okay with them. And, and it, and I'm not even joking. His sort of last scene in that movie is him talking to his dad. And he's like, I don't know what to do. I've never felt so sad before, basically because this, you know, this uh, other character died that he loved. And his dad's like, you, you know, what you should do is you should go to the North and find a ranger his name is Aragorn or Strider or whatever. And it's like the most, and I'm barely embellishing how ham fisted it is. Mm. The connection. It's like pre star Wars prequels level of, um, I was going to say it reminded me of solo where they did the same arc with him. Oh yeah. Actually that's a a better example actually of of the shoehorning. He's like 20 years younger, but Mm -hmm. forgot everything that he learned between (laughs) the prequel of yes, the, yeah, the Star Wars yeah. movies. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I'm curious if you guys have heard anything about the upcoming Amazon uh, series, uh, Tolkien, Lord of the Rings. Uh, just that they're making. Yeah. I haven't heard anything else. Uh, yeah, I've, I've heard about it and it's um, Jackson is, is back supervising it somewhat am i wrong on that i think he might be a consultant yeah he's not like producing it or anything yeah and i think even that might be kind of a just getting his name in there so that oh yeah the same way lucas works on star wars movies these days where he's like 
I think you should do this. And they're like, yeah, nope. <laughs> <laughs> and I believe the showrunner or showed the director is J.A. Bayona, I think is his name. He directed the Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, wonderful. <laughs> Have you guys seen that? Yes. It. No, I, I refuse. It is after. after in- um. I know I, li- I, I liked like, that one. It is incredibly oh bad. It is offensive. It's like Jurassic Park two and three are terrible, but it is so much worse than them. I can't even put it into. I think two is oh, fine. I, love, I can yeah, watch, I can Lost, watch World Lost World and, and really enjoy it. Yeah. Three is garbage. And actually, I secretly three is garbage. Yeah. But both of them have moments. the The most recent one, the, the only Lost good World. thing it, yeah, it go has on. going for it is that it does go in the bonkers direction that Spielberg... Um, Which one are you, you know, talking about? Uh, Fallen Kingdom. Okay, yeah. Because, uh, you know, there was a, a planned Jurassic Park 4 where yeah. there's a script out there where and dinosaurs are... are yeah, the, the dinosaurs are, like, <laughs> super intelligent, and there's, like, a tactical team. And, and there's a human-dinosaur hybrid. Yeah. Um, right. Which... You know, when I learned about that, I was like, oh, God, I really wish I could see this. It would have been a <laughs> terrible, terrible movie, but in the best way. And uh, and so part of me thinks maybe the next one is going to be so bad that it's good. But Fallen Kingdom was just trash. Just I, not even... I, I don't know which of I don't know which I like less Fallen Kingdom or Jurassic World. Probably Jurassic World because it felt like such a betrayal. Um, for me, and with Fallen Kingdom, so God, so I was bad. like, well, I know it's shit now, so my expectations are really low. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so that, I, I believe he's the showrunner for the Amazon series, and I don't think there's been many details on kind of what it, it's set, if I understand it, if I understand right, it is set before Lord of the Rings and maybe even before The Hobbit. Um, oh, it's a side story? Yeah, it's not a reboot of the main... Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, Interesting. I think it's after Hobbit, before Between them? Lord okay. of the Rings. Yeah. yeah. And so there's lots of... Same spec- characters or just same universe? I don't think they've even said who the characters are. Same yeah. universe. And I also don't know if this is meant to be in lockstep with the movies, you know? Right. Or if this is its own thing. Um, so, uh, as I want to do, so basically, it's it's not it's a it takes place between Hobbit and yeah. Fellowship. Um, uh, possibly at least part of it centering on a younger Aragorn. This is the, the mm-hmm. assumption I've heard is that it'll be young yeah, Aragorn. Um, it follows the book of the Hobbit, but leads into the movie <laughs> of Lord of the Rings. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and there's also a chance they're going to be taking, like, parts of it going to be taking place during the Second Age of Middle-earth, uh, which is right. thousands of years before before Hobbit. And so is Silmarillion Second Age or is that First Age? Or even before that? I don't, the, know. I don't know a whole lot about Silmarillion. And so. Nick, if, if you aren't familiar, the Silmarillion... Everything I know about it I learned from Stephen Colbert. And oh, yeah. That's, I mean, it's, it's nice. essentially a creation myth for... 
that whole world. So the first portion of Silmarillion, which is the only portion I've ever gotten through, is basically how is the god of this, you know, universe forming uh, Middle Earth and creating sort of the demigods that will look over, watch over it, and and so it essentially sets up the mythology that underpins all of the the Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings and stuff like that. Because um, Tolkien himself was, I I think he wouldn't call himself an author so much as uh, oh like yeah a, we, I, I'm sorry I know you were getting to this but I. <laughs> Can I, can I say it? What? Like, am I right that he, he wrote The Hobbit and then the rest of Lord of the Rings was just him world building, creating a language, and mm-hmm. and he basically created the story to wrap around that? Yeah. This this is... And, and, That's the most interesting thing about him. Yeah. That is I, fascinating. I don't know if there's... I've I've heard that said lots of times by different people, and who I don't know if if that's actually true. If like he was like, well, oh, okay. really, I just want to write this language, but I don't have anyone to speak this language, so I'm going to write this books to put my language in, so that people will see it. Wait, language yeah. is the, right. The way I remember it is that he it was like while he was studying language, he mm-hmm. learned how languages develop, yeah, and that you know you don't just create a language unless it's what's esperanto what's the name of esperanto, that? <laughs> esperanto universal yeah. language esperanto. yeah <laughs> uh and and so he started thinking about it from that perspective <laughs> and started creating this world that it would develop in and yeah, yeah that's so interesting yeah and i think there were a lot there were i think there were a lot of reasons that he wrote lord of the rings he so the hobbit he wrote because it, it was I believe it started just as stories he would tell his son and then he compiled them into the book and it was published and really successful. And then he had no plans for a sequel for Lord of the Rings, but his publisher really was like, really wanted something because the Hobbit had done so well. So there's that factor. There's absolutely the factor of his, you know, interest and uh, his academic interest in language because he was, he was a professor of language. Um, and so he was really interested in building cultures around language and, and sort of writing new languages. And as Adam said, there's he, there's more than one that he's written that are in Lord of the Rings. And and then the other uh, one of the other factors um, for him writing the the Lord of the Rings is he wanted he felt that England did not have a mythology, um, and and the wasn't part of the anti-war thing. Also. That's also part of it, but um, the mm-hmm. that he, he, I think he felt like, you know, it didn't have at least not a rich mythology in the way that some other cultures had, and he wanted to create uh, sort of mythology for England. Um, and then, as Adam said, his experiences uh, in the war in World War One also um, had a huge influence on writing the Lord of the Rings itself. And, the, and apparently there are some, some of his journal writings during that time, uh, give you a glimpse into things that would eventually go on to be in, uh, the Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Um, and he, in fact, rewrote parts of the Hobbit after he wrote Lord of the Rings. If you want to, 
you know, you can criticize George Lucas all day all right. for going back and fixing Star Wars, but look, he wasn't the first one to do it. J.R.R. Tolkien went back and fixed the Hobbit. Next Star Wars. Yeah, right. <laughs> he, oh, he fixed the Star <laughs> After it was published? Yes. So in the original um, version of The Hobbit, Bilbo, when he get, when he meets Gollum, and they have uh, basically a contest of riddles. Uh, in the original edition, when Bilbo wins, Gollum sort of freely gives him the magic ring, which ends up being the one ring that is the main, you know, uh, sort of MacGuffin. To rule them all. Yeah, to, to rule them all. The Lord of the Rings, yeah. And so um, when he's writing Lord of the Rings and putting all this import onto this ring and, and sort of getting all the world building around it and saying how powerful and persuasive and addictive it is. He realizes, Oh, this doesn't jive with Gollum just handing over the ring to Bilbo. He would never have done that. And so I think he, he handles this really well in sort of in universe, the the Hobbit, the book, is known as the Book of Westmark, and it's the book that that Bilbo wrote about his journey oh. there and back again. So and it's so his version of the story. It's yeah, Bilbo's lying about what actually narrator. happened, and it's I think clever. there's there's a note. Maybe it's in Lord of the Rings, somewhere where Gandalf mentions that he originally Bild, Bilbo was not honest about how he came by the ring, and that. Um, you know, now we know the truth and, and subsequent publishings of the Hobbit have that chapter corrected to where Uh, you say corrected, but are there people out there that are like, no, keep Hobbit the way it was. (laughs) Quit this bullshit. (laughs) Hashtag the Tolkien cut. Tolkien cut. Which one is it? (laughs) I don't know. Bilbo cut. Hashtag Bilbo Bilbo cut. cut. Uh, But in the, in the, new version Bilbo finds the ring loose in the cave then encounters Gollum they have their battle of riddles and Gollum's like okay wait here I'm gonna go get what's in my pocket (laughs) he's like wait here I'm gonna go get your prize intending to go get the ring turn invisible and kill Bilbo but he goes to his little you know hovel it's not there he freaks the fuck out and Bilbo you know, puts on the ring, turns invisible. Well, actually, he does that later, but he runs. He runs away and later puts on the ring out of fear or something and realizes he's invisible and Gollum mm-hmm. can't see him. Um, so I think even though, you know, I'm definitely one of those who's like, don't go back and change it, just leave it as it is. I, I appreciate that he... But if you do it in a yeah, creative exactly, way, yeah. sure. Yeah, sort of that in-universe, like, he found a really clever way to make that feel authentic the uh just i was doing some quick little i looked up stuff that's you know that's what i do um so the new lord of the rings Mm -hmm. thing for amazon it's a guarantee it's a five season right series with possibility for extension uh first season's gonna be 20 episodes 20 currently the jr took yeah currently the jr Tolkien uh estate will not let them film things based in the third age so I guess they have these Aragorn stories yeah. written, but as of right now, it's they're like second age or first age, fine, but you leave yeah. what's already been done alone, essentially. Like we don't want you basically we don't want you Lucasing the stuff and like trying to shove things in like no. 
So as of right now, it's second age or first age, not allowed to touch well, third age. Um, what separates the ages? Or is that a question uh, that's too complicated to ask? I don't have a, a good answer for that, but, <laughs> and there is an answer to that. And I think it's essentially the the fourth age is the age of men because the elves have left Middle Earth. And so that's the point at which Aragorn is king and he rules for a time. The third wait, age... Wait, what is... Wait, well, I'm sorry. I knew this was going to be too big of a question. But what is Middle Earth? Like, okay, Middle is, Earth... Is that a planet or is it a uh, continent? That's a great question. It's, it's a... It is... You know that feeling you get when you eat warm cookies? <laughs> All right. Um, it, put it in the archive. So the, the <laughs> there's I'm, – I'm probably going to get a lot of this wrong. So I you know, feel – those who are listening, I apologize, who do know this stuff. So originally when – when um, I think he's – I think the Iluvatar is the god who creates Middle Earth. Originally he creates um, – he calls it Arda. He or she, I think it's a non-gendered being. They create Arda. Arda is Middle Earth. They also create. Um, is it Valinor? Is that the um, elves like heaven? Hang on a second. I don't remember. Let me. I'm gonna fact check that. Well, while he's looking at that real quick, so Nick, from what I understand, I don't remember what shifted second age into third age, but. Kind of like with third and the fourth, like something big happens, which then kind of kicks off the next yeah. age, like some sort of major change or something big in right. the world. Oh, okay. Happens, which so then makes things. Go it's into like the next when they uh, change the actress that played Vivian, and now it's yeah. just like a That's totally the different age. Yeah. Okay. Right. Um, so Valinor, exactly. Valinor is essentially kind of heaven, but it's only for elves. Um, so he, so. Luvatar creates Valinor. The elves live there. They're really happy there. And also so do the gods. The gods live there as well. His Elivatar's children, which are like, they are different. You could think of like Greek pantheon type thing where one is gods of animals. One is a god of water, etc. stuff like that. Those children then create beings to live on Middle Earth, Arda. Um, and then at some point, the ability to travel from Valinor to Arda is removed. There's also an island between the two called Numenor where you have men living. And there are, these men are sort of, they live much longer than regular men. They're sort of somewhere between elves and men. That sinks. It's kind of an Atl Atlantis myth. So Numenor sinks. The Numenorians flee to, Ar to Middle Earth. Aragorn is a descendant of Numenorians, so he actually has a very long lifespan. When and as of the Lord of the Rings, he's in his eighties. Um, so, Wait, like Middle days. Earth is a continent, I believe, and there's parts of it that are west of Mordor. That's where the big bad guy Sauron lives, where they're trying to get to in the movies to get rid of the ring. There's actually land beyond that where there are other beings living. We don't know anything really about that land because Tolkien never wrote anything about it. There's some stuff in letters that he wrote to people. Um, I think one of the most fascinating... What? what was that? Okay. I was Go just going to say, I think 
to me, one of the most fascinating things about the mythology overall is the wizards and sort of their, yeah, there's, they're, they're, kind right. of angels, they're basically angels. They're called the Maiar. Um, and they all have different names when they're in Valinor. Um, Gandalf's original name is Olorin and he was sort of, um, uh, what's the word? He he was in favor of, or he was favored by one of the the demigods. And like when Sauron started causing a bunch of shit over in <laughs> Middle Earth, uh, they were like, okay, you need to go to Middle Earth and start preparing men to fight Sauron. Um, Saruman, who's another wizard, he's the head of the wizards. He also was sent there to do that, but he failed in his task. He became corrupted eventually. Radagast, who's sort of the wizard of animals and beasts and birds and stuff, he was sent to Middle-earth. He also allegedly failed in his task because he got too involved with the with the animals. <laughs> the animals. Yeah, and Gandalf was the, the basically like the god of fire, essentially. That's why he's like, like I'm the keeper of the Well, that's just because he has the blah, ring. Blah, blah, yeah, has... the... the... Well, yeah, that too, but but he also yeah. has fire essentially in, in, incarnate, um, so to speak. And he, okay, I, I, I think, I think light might be more accurate, Adam, than fire. Yeah, you might be right. I, I both regret asking a question that dug us this deep, but mm-hmm. I still have more questions. Yeah. Um. Okay. They call it Middle Earth. They do. Like, I never thought about that. Doesn't that sound like? A little conceited. They're like, "Oh, there's some Earth over there, and there's some Earth over well, there. We're the middle Earth. Like, it's the middle plane of existence. Think of it that way. Okay. The highest plane being Valinor. That's heaven. Oh, okay. Middle Earth okay. in the middle, and then there's, yeah. I guess, there's must Wait. be some kind of hell. Is Tolkien a flat earther? Oh yeah. Okay, now I get. I it. mean, in, in a weird, yeah. indirect way, yeah. it's it's just Middle Earth is kind of this realm. Flat yeah. desk. Okay. Um, the, my yeah. other question is like, he he comes up with a whole language, multiple mm-hmm. languages. He's got all of these names. Um, Gandalf has like five names, but he couldn't come up with something better than Middle Earth. Like, hey, he's Arda. got a. Okay, yeah. <laughs> But he's he's got to borrow Earth. That yeah. seems very strange to me that he he's, he's got his a... realm after. Our well, planet. he has to speak to the dummies of the world who are going to be like, Ooh. "Yeah, I'm listening." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and just for fun, because you said it, and it's one of my favorite things is the various names of Gandalf. Which for some reason I love the fact that he's you know, known by different names, different places, but he's Gandalf the Grey is probably his most famous mon- moniker. He's known as Mithrandir uh, to uh, the elves and also the men of Gondor. Um, Gandalf, he's called Gandalf Stormcrow at times. That's um, like Stormcrow? Storm yeah. Crow. And also the... That, wait, hold on. That's a G.I. Joe. Is that a cool nickname? That is not... That's a what? That is... A G.I. Joe. That's not a Lord of the Rings character. <laughs> it is. It's a G.I. Joe. Gandalf. It's. <laughs> what makes think you're welcome here? Stormcrow. Storm and then um, the Grey Pilgrim. Uh, and also, as I mentioned previously, his original name, Oloren, I believe is what it is. Uh, uh, interestingly. And of course, oh, go ahead. AKA King Creeper. 
Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, and and there were there are actually five wizards. We listed three: Radagast, Gandalf, and Saruman. And there's two that we really know nothing about. Uh, we know their names. It's like Alatar and I can't uh, some, some Bob. Yeah, I'll look them up real quick. But um, they're known as the Blue Wizards, and they were sent further west to. Um, get help from the men beyond Mordor, but they were never heard from again. Um, yeah. Let me see here what their names were. Um, so I think maybe, and Nick, going back to the original question, I, I don't directly quote this, but I think possibly what shifted third, uh, second age into third age was the defeat of Oh, that's Sorrow. probably right, yeah. And it's some sort of first yeah. form. Um, by the way, the... the... So, Farmer was, was defeated, the, the ring was not destroyed, and then because of, there was this, basically this huge power vacuum that made it go into the Third okay. Age. Yeah. And, and, and uh, the Blue Wizards were Alatar and Palando. Oh, I was way off Or Palando. And I also have here... Uh, what the ages were. The first age saw the ascent of elves, dwarves, and men and their wars against Morgoth. Morgoth is basically the devil of this mythology. The second age uh, is when you have Numenor, and that's when Sauron rises. Uh, he creates the rings of power, and then, uh, it, as you said, Adam, it ends with the war of the Last Alliance and the defeat of Sauron. The Third Age is what we're all familiar with from the Lord of the Rings films. And then the Fourth Age is after the elves leave Middle-earth um, and men and hobbits are prospering and and doing well until men basically take over completely. Uh, do we live in the Fifth Age? Potentially. Is, is that implied that we're yeah, the continuation? In, in fact, in the... In Lord of the Rings, there's sort of a preface that Tolkien wrote called Concerning Hobbits. And he talks about, he kind of goes into detail, of like, what is a hobbit? And he, he says that you don't see them that much anymore because they're very uh, secretive. And so he's kind of hinting that we are living, yeah, in the future of these events. Hmm. Okay, the second age was like, 3,500 years yeah, long. So was, that. It was, I mean, these ages are not right, like a couple hundred years. There are thousands yeah. and thousands and thousands of years. Yeah, there the, the third, yeah, third age is, is like the year 3,000 something, or, right? Um, yeah, like 3,500 30, yeah. or 3,600 or something like that. After Jesus Christ? Yeah. Now, what, are there really dated... Uh, there, are there numbers and yes. what is the zero in that world? Oh yeah. So, for instance, the War of the Ring, which is the um, the events of Lord of the Rings, is from the year thirty eighteen to thirty nineteen. Is do you know what the zero event was? Uh, I guess it was when Middle Earth was created. Let me see. Well, each no no because each age starts back at zero. Oh, oh do they? Is that right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, like, when Second Age ended at 35, whatever the hell it was, Third Age starts at zero. And then it kicks off. So, at each age, it kind of resets the, the, okay. the number. So, Look, 
I, I hate to say it, but Adam's right. Oh man. Well, then there there are definitely events that QE change. Yeah. 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 All right, we are over time here, guys. Uh, we spent a lot of time talking about those dumb movies, and we could have been talking about this cool uh, mythology stuff. But Nick is yeah. such a dummy that we had to keep it to the stuff he's most likely to know about. I th- Thanks, guys. I, I want to <laughs> say one couple of things about the animated uh, movies that I think that I just I didn't realize. Um, I guess you probably realized. So even though it's two different companies that did uh, Lord of the Rings and Return of the King, which are the animated movies now, the majority of the voice cast is that came true? back for, yeah, for uh, uh, Return of the King, which I thought was did, really cool. Did Leonard um, Nimoy, though, reprise his role as Gandalf from The Hobbit? Because uh, in The Hobbit. No. The same guy who did Gandalf in Lord of the Rings okay. did it in Return of the King. I also did not realize, and I, ever, I don't know why I would, but... Uh, in Return of the King, the animated movie, Mary mm-hmm. was played by yes. Casey Kasem. Hmm. I did know that. So I'm going to have to rewatch this thing because I'm just like, wait, what? I, I had no idea. Um, can I get one last thing I forgot to talk about? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just that, you know, I brought up if it was questionable when you found out that, um, uh, oh, uh, what's his name? Main character actor Elijah Wood. Elijah Wood. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> nope, uh, was playing it, and I I forgot that when they first announced it, like I had seen uh, Peter Jackson's other movies, uh, mm. and yeah. in high right. school, uh, Meet the Feebles, and I, I never saw Bad Taste. Um, the other one, oh, Dead Alive. Um, yeah, Dead Dead Lives. Lives amazing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they're um, fantastic movies, but the idea that they were going, going to hand this guy a yes. billion-dollar trilogy. Now, he'd already done Lovely Bones. No. So he'd already kind of shown. No. Oh, really? I, I just what? looked it up on IMDb. The only thing he had – no, he he did Heavenly Creatures and Forgotten Silver, which I right. – I'm yeah. sorry, Heavenly Creatures. Yeah. That's that's what I was thinking of. I, I never Heavenly saw creatures. those. Yeah, so he doesn't have the creatures, so he kind of he's shown. Okay, I can do not yeah. batshit crazy, yeah. bizarre, yeah. wackadoo movies. And he had done Frighteners, but still, which I didn't. I don't think I oh, knew man. he did that. Oh, God, but I love that is a great movie. Yeah. and shows so good. Uh, his skill and yeah. doing a you know. And he worked uh, with John Aston, Sean Aston's father, who would you know Sean Aston would go on to be Samwise yeah. in Lord of the Rings. John Wait, Aston was in Frighteners. He was the cowboy. John Aston was the original. He was also the original Gomez. I Adams. didn't know that was his dad. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Well, I learned something here today. Finally. So, you know, Nick. Interesting. Like you bring up a really good point. Like Peter, they they handed Peter <laughs> Jackson the reins to make this movie, and not only that. Like originally, Miramax was gonna uh, be the studio that backed it. And at that point, it was only going to be two films, Lord of the Rings. Um, and I forget why. Kind of what they did with the animated uh, movies. I think kind of what they did with oh, the animated right, movies. Yeah. Basically going to do Fellowship right. and then Trinity King. And I don't know why. I forget why, but like basically Miramax was a part, at some point during pre-production wanted to 
pull their their you know funding for it and then said but we'll peter will let you shop this around to other studios if you want and so he went to new line and pitched what they had already done up to that point and apparently in the meeting the the new line executives were like well i don't know how you would do this in two movies it has to be three and so not only is like are they handing this huge thing to peter jackson allowing them to fill up film everything at once they expand it then to three films so it's like a huge gamble that obviously paid off for them but um i think that's kind of incredible that and he was given like from what we could what what you can tell from the special features just like given full freedom to make these movies how he wants to make them it's insane yeah and it's insane that it worked yeah yeah, because again, you look at The Hobbit, and it's like it all had slightly things not in the same uh, uh, scenario, and yeah. it all yeah. just fall apart. Um, well, I think we'll probably keep t- keep talking, and we'll release the extended edition of this episode uh, <laughs> in a couple of years. Um, but for the <laughs> theatrical version, did we make it to the journey? Did we finish? Well, I'm the... hoping. I- I'm going to try and walk this thing wait I'm so sorry I know we're long you tried to walk to Mordor once oh that's true you you, you talk about that real I'll fast i about it really fast because this is There's a cool story a, well I talked about on my on the walking episode how I used to uh, go on walks with a friend of ours Adam CJ and um, he and I both were tracking our progress toward Mordor there's a, there was a website, I don't know if it's still up, that gave you the mileage of where the Fellowship walked. And, like, you could track how many miles you had walked, and you'd be like, okay, at this point, I would be arriving in the town of Bree. Uh, at this point, I would be arriving in Rivendell, and so forth. And so we charted our, our way. We did not... It's a lot of walking. <laughs> I think we got... Maybe got to the town of Bree, which is, like, the first place that the Hobbits go outside of the Shire. Um, so didn't make it very far. Uh, not only is website still up, but there's an oh, app. There's an app. All right, I'm gonna. Have to, I'm starting over. Yeah, I'll put it in the. I'll put put this in the show notes. Okay, that said, uh, I, now I I really need to cast this thing into the fires of the archive.